Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. I am joined today by our recruiting reporter, Christian Clemente, as we've got a lot to get into on today's show. Particularly on the recruiting front, we will talk some Auburn basketball um, as well. We may be joined later in the show by Jason Caldwell. I highly doubt it, though. I think he's a Florida man. The Florida man himself is tied up a little bit um, with business in Jacksonville. I don't know why I that just clicked for me like 30 minutes ago. I could have sworn they're going to like when I heard Jacksonville, I think JSU. But it's like they're in Jacksonville, Florida. I didn't even realize that. Yes. It, look, if you want baseball coverage, Jason Caldwell and Auburn Undercover is the spot for you. And there's nowhere in the Auburn market that is even close to that. And that's evidence this weekend because Jason's down in Jacksonville. He's going to have you all in person content, some other behind the scenes stuff. So that's why he's not here on the show tonight with us. Um, but that's because he's getting. Some even better baseball stuff for us. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to read um, and hear about what he does down there. And, uh, you know, like he mentioned on our show earlier this week, you're seeing that more and more in college basketball and in college baseball, like getting you ready for an NCAA tournament type feel. Auburn baseball goes down to Florida, foreign, you know, place for them, get away from their, their own you know beds for a little while and play a series of games. So I believe the two ranked opponents there. Um, that they're going to play. And so, uh, yeah, Jason is is embedded there for the next few days. Um, if you guys listen on the radio, he's also going to be calling the game on the radio. And he's throwing um, out the first pitch. As, <laughs> uh, like, would you be surprised? Is no. I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's, he's, you know, saving everyone from a burning building one time. I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. That's understandable. Um, yeah, so speaking of uh, – we, we can work ourselves backwards a little bit here, Christian. You and Jason – went earlier this week to um, some of the basketball playoff games in Hansville. A couple Auburn-related guys there, um, but there was one big-ticket player um, from the illustrious uh, Buckhorn High School. I hear that is the best high school in the country. I I cannot 100% confirm, though. Um, But Caleb Holt is a guy that Auburn was, was in really early on, one of the most talented players in the country. Regardless of class, and you guys had a uh, exclusive catch up with him a few days after he was on campus for the uh, for the Kentucky game, and so uh, talk to me a little bit about what you uh, what you guys heard from him. Yeah, look, I mean, I haven't really covered basketball recruiting too much, at least in person, and you know, being able to watch these guys. Jason and I obviously go to Friday Night Lights pretty much every single week to watch a high school football game, so basketball is a little bit different. Still, kind of getting a feel for it a little bit. Nathan, you were there last year when we went to go and see um, the other basketball guy that I've seen in person in LeBaron Phylon when he was at Baker. And you could just kind of tell that he was a different player than everybody else on the court. Uh, it's different for him because he was a point guard, um, combo guard, whatever you want to say. And he it was easy to pack pack the paint a little bit on him. And you know they would almost quadruple cover him where two guys would be on him at the uh, top of the key. And then there'd be two more packing the paint inside a little bit as well. Caleb Holt is a little bit different because he's a small forward. He's every bit of 6'6". Six, six. Um, he's he's well-built, and he's only a sophomore in high school. Uh, Buckhorn obviously won the state title last year in Alabama. Now after winning on uh, Tuesday, I think we were there for the game. After winning on Tuesday, they're in the final four. Um, and we were not the only ones there either. Um, it was pretty clear just how big of a recruiting target that um, Caleb Holt is 
with Bruce Pearl making the trip up there to Hansfield to watch him play as well. Um, good opportunity for Auburn with the bye week um, there with not a midweek game. So Bruce went to go and see him play. Really, really impressive player. Look, he lived up to the five-star billing. What was impressive about him, um, and Jason and I got a chance to talk with Buckhorn's coach afterwards, and he said, look, he's our best defender, and that's where he buys in even more than anywhere else on the court right now. And sometimes younger players definitely don't do that. Caleb Holt does, and that was obvious from the get-go. The other thing was he finished with 20 – it might have been 22, and I don't have his exact stat sheet in front of me. I think it was 22 points or something like that. They started the game down 8-0. At the end of the first quarter, they're down 8-3. to He hasn't scored yet. Um, they go, I believe, 24-2 and on a 24-2 to run in the second quarter. Caleb Holt scores 9. The rest of the game, he takes over. Look, I said he scored 22. He could have scored 40. He could have scored 50. He could be doing that every single night at the level that he's playing. That's not who he is. He's a very selfless player. He makes smart passes. He makes really smart plays. Really, really good player. It was obvious why he's the, I think he's the number three player in the country. That was that was pretty obvious. Um, it'd be really fun to see him play against some higher level competition. Um, nothing against Coleman, just in the sense of like everyone being five stars, you know, the circuit, the basketball circuit. I'd love to see him play in that. Um, and so we got a chance to talk with him. We had a video interview up, which is up on the YouTube page. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can go and check that out. Make sure you're subscribed if you're not already uh, to go and watch that. But he's a really, really good kid. Um, Auburn's definitely in the picture. Alabama's in the picture. Tennessee is in the picture. I think those are three of the early leaders in the clubhouse a little bit. Um, but Bruce Pearl and Auburn are going to be definitely long-term factors there. Yeah, that kind of allows us to transition um, into another guy that y'all saw down there um, from Thompson. How did that game go, by the way? With, uh, it was Hoover, uh, and Thompson, Hoover ended up kind of crushing Thompson a little bit. Um, the the thing with that game was Hoover's big man, who Auburn is recruiting, Dwayne Brown, 6'9", 250 right now. Look, Thompson just – nope, not many high schools have the size to be able to keep up with that. Yeah. Thompson definitely did not. Um, they'd already played, I think, three times earlier this year, um, and the coach told Dwayne Brown before the game, Look, if they're going to play you straight up, we're going to feed you the ball. He scored the first 12 points of the game. Auburn assistant Corey Williams was there to watch. Um, I think that's a guy that Auburn could definitely be getting really close to offering um, as a potential center for the 2025 class. So Hoover ended up winning that game, but we were watching Dwayne Brown and we were watching some of the guys on Thompson as well. Yeah, and speaking of which, um, kind of segue into the previous, the other recruiting event um, that we're going to get to, which was the Under Armour Next Atlanta camp on Sunday, which was actually in Carrollton. Um, but that is a that is a, a massive collection of talent on an annual basis. Um, but somebody so you've seen now a couple times in the past few days um, was there in Hansville, Jared Smith, um, the five star edge rusher. He's he's the number one pass rusher in the country for the 2025 class. And he is part, Christian, of that effort by Auburn to clean up in the state of Alabama. And if you're, you're Auburn, you're saying you think you have an opportunity here with Alabama having, you know, so much turnover and so much change. This is one of those guys, and we'll get into it, you know, he, he might be a guy that Georgia currently leads for. Maybe that's just kind of how it's feeling. But um, when you look at the top ten players in the state of Alabama in 2025, Smith is an example of another one of those guys that uh, that Auburn is in on right now. And, uh, you know, it seems like the Tigers are putting themselves in a good spot to, to see him a couple more times over the next few months. 
Yeah, so he should be back on campus this spring. He's still setting up his uh, summer official visits. The only one locked in right now is South Carolina, but he's definitely going to hit South Carolina, definitely going to hit Georgia. Auburn should get an official visit as well. I think Auburn has a little bit of ground to make up here. A little bit might be generous. I think they have some ground to make up here. Um, he hasn't been on Auburn's campus as much as he's been to some other places, um, but he definitely has a really good connection with Coach Hugh Freeze. The other thing here that's interesting, and this was kind of – I feel like this was the key with a lot of the different guys that we talked to um, on Sunday for the campus. Now it's Josh Aldridge leading the way. Um, Aldridge was obviously coaching linebackers. Now he's coaching the edge slash buck and also coaching the defensive ends. So he kind of is responsible for um, the buck position and then the defensive ends. So Josh Aldridge is responsible for recruiting a decent amount more guys now. Um, Ron Roberts was in charge of recruiting what was the Jack linebacker, which is now the buck um, previously. And I think Josh Aldridge, this is nothing against Ron Roberts. I just think Josh Aldridge is much more aggressive on the recruiting trail. I think he's more active on the recruiting trail. Um, one of the things I always go back to was when the contact period opened up in December, um, talking with Demarcus Riddick, Josh Aldridge, you know, it, the clock hit 1201, meaning that it was, you know, they were able to make contact with recruits in person contact, I should say. Um, and Aldridge posted a picture from Waffle House um, on Twitter. Um, and later talking with Demarcus Riddick, he said, yeah, you know, Coach Aldridge met me um, for Waffle House right after midnight um, just to be able to connect with him and spend some more time with him again. And that was in December once Riddick was already locked up. But it's it's taking that extra effort, that extra step a little bit. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see where Auburn goes at the edge position under Josh Aldridge. Um, Jared Smith, obviously a name. There's not many better frames out there than Jared Smith. Zion Grady now at Enterprise, the former Alabama commit is another name. The other one was Isaiah Gibson. Um, and in all honesty, going into the camp, I didn't particularly know who Isaiah Gibson was. Uh, but a huge group of media, the way it was kind of spread out, and there were just players and different interviews and just was kind of standing next to him. Um, heard him mention Auburn. Um, and then was standing next to him again a little bit later. Heard him mention Auburn again. And then I hopped in and you know asked him a little bit more. And he said he's hearing from Josh Aldridge quite a bit. So Jared Smith is one of those guys that things are picking up between him and Josh Aldridge. And we'll see where things kind of go from there. Yeah, that was a. I mean, for me being the outside looking in, I guess you could say, um, you know, not normally on recruiting stuff, but but jumping in there, in Carrollton, uh, yeah, Aldridge, very popular name there, and maybe it's because there were a lot of Auburn guys that fall into his recruiting domain in terms of the positions like linebackers and edge rusher guys. Um, but it is interesting to hear because he is making that move now um, from coaching linebackers to now he's coaching edge rushers. I mean, he's, he's been a guy that we've heard a lot about ever since he joined the staff. And that's, you know, as a, as a recruiter, somebody that Auburn fans didn't know much about before he got on staff. Um, but much in the same vein as, as Jeremy Garrett, who's obviously no longer the D line coach, but in the same vein that how much he impacted guys and, and sort of on the recruiting trail, people got to know his name really quickly. Um, that's, that's been the case with Josh Aldridge, another guy that, uh, that's the case with not a surprise here is uh, Charles Kelly, man. If, if you want some early returns on the Charles Kelly experience as a recruiter, uh, it's, it's hard to get much more praise than, than you got from these kids um, at this camp. Um, Zealous Hicks, the, the five-star safety was one that, that really stuck out to me. Um, you know, he's, he's being pursued by Georgia, by Ohio state. He said, Ohio state is recruiting him harder than anybody right now. Um, but he said, a, he said a visit with Charles Kelly really changed his mind um, about Auburn. I know he was in Auburn kind of toward the end of January. And he said during that visit, he walked into Charles Kelly's office. He had 
tape pulled up, all ready to go. Spent a really long time um, breaking that down. And, and Zealous Hicks said, look, I've never seen he, – he sort of opened my mind to things that I had never seen on tape before. That's just kind of a little snippet there. And there are some other defensive backs we could sort of get into um, and players beyond the secondary. But that's a snippet there of why when you scroll down the catalog of Charles Kelly recruits, including somebody like Caleb Downs. I know you told me there's a very comparable story about Caleb Downs in terms of that that film breakdown. Um, just kind of goes to show you why he is one of the most elite, you know, probably two or three elite recruiters in the country. Yeah, I mean – you look at the staff that Auburn has right now and the way that Hugh Freeze has assembled it, you have a really good just spread out kind of different connections here in the Southeast. Really stumbled through that there. But you've got Charles Kelly in the state of Alabama. You've got some other guys that can get the state of Alabama as well, of course. Marcus Davis can get you into a Florida a little bit. Georgia was maybe a place you were lacking a little bit. You go out and get Kenyatta Watson for your off-the-field staff. Tyler Atkinson, the five-star linebacker at Grayson, spoke very highly of him. If you don't know about Kenyatta Watson, he worked at Grayson High School as their um, director of recruiting, another role for four or five years there. He made the Gwinnett Chargers, which is a youth organization team. Owen Papo was on that team. Um, he's just he's one of the most tapped in individuals in the city of Atlanta and throughout the state of Georgia. And Auburn has him as an off-field hire now. So you pair that with a guy like a Will Redmond, who's very uh, highly regarded as well. You get some other guys there. Maurice Harris came over. You have a very, very quality off the field staff, obviously. And then on the field, you've already seen what a lot of these guys can do. Ben Agamawa has hit the West Coast a little bit. He helped you out a good portion with DeAndre Carter last year. Jake Thornton can get Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, a little bit of everything there. Um, and then, like you were talking about with Charles Kelly, he's he's probably one of the best recruiters in the entire country in terms of assistant coaches. Um, and now he's doing it at his alma mater, which probably makes it easier than ever for him. So It'll be really fun to see how this 2025 class pans out, especially with you know, the state of Alabama being as good as it is right now. It's another really, really good year, um, and Auburn's trying to take advantage of that. Uh, this is this is your thing, obviously, so you're welcome to take over and do whatever. Um, but I thought maybe we could kind of go by position, talk a little bit about the guy. There was there's a ton, so we're not going to yeah. hit on everybody, most likely. Yeah, we'll just um, do some quick hitters. Yeah, lots of talent there at, at every position. Um, but we can start up front with the offensive line. A couple of Auburn's biggest targets there. Um, their 2026 commitment. Um, Cal Ellis was also there putting on his recruiting cap a little bit. Said he was uh, he was talking a little bit to Micah DeBose, trying to get him to uh, to come to Auburn. And so talk a little bit about the offensive linemen that we saw there in Atlanta because two of their biggest targets, and if I'm not mistaken, could be their two biggest targets in the class were, uh, were both present. Yeah, so Micah DeBose was there. He was dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury and a thumb injury, so he didn't go through one-on-ones, just went through a couple of the different drills um, kind of throughout the day. Um, and then there's a picture of him watching the one-on-ones. But, you know, this recruitment continues to kind of have have its ebbs and flows a little bit. People kind of freaked out because an LSU crystal ball got put in um, shortly after the camp uh, from 24-7 Sports National recruiting reporter Anna Adams. I have nothing to disagree with that right now. A lot of people were kind of shocked. Um, because as soon as Micah DeBose decommitted from Georgia, felt like Auburn had the buzz. The thing that I would say with that right now is I wouldn't be overly concerned about where things stand in February. And I would say the same thing if you know Auburn was sitting in a good spot. I would say, look, there's still a long way to go. I don't think Micah is anywhere close to having a decision. I think he still wants to take his summer official visits, um, have a decision probably after that before his senior season. Things could maybe come before then. You know, You never say never in this business. There's still 
always different twists and turns. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if Auburn decides that this is a guy that they really, really want along the offensive line, which right now we think that they do, I think this is going to be a guy that Jake Thornton, a guy that Hugh Freeze, they're going to dig their heels in and really try and work to get. So, yeah, we'll see how things go there. But probably the biggest, the biggest one of the day for me, Nathan, and it was pretty obvious, was Tavares Dice. Look, I haven't gotten a chance to see him play in person yet. And it's only a camp setting, so you only see one-on-one, stuff like that, no pads. I get that. Just look at if you're watching on YouTube, if you're not, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see it, obviously, but just an incredible frame for an offensive lineman right now. He's he's lean, he's not skinny. You know, we saw some offensive linemen that looked like tight ends out there, Nathan, that are gonna have to transform their body and add a lot of weight. Tavares Dice doesn't really need to add a lot of weight. He's got a really, really, really good frame already. Um, he could play outside of tackle. Um, Hudson Standish, one of our rankings guys who was there and who gave him praise um, in the top performer's story, said he could also be a guard and he could be a really, really good athletic pulling guard as well in the right system. So a lot of position versatility there. And then the big takeaway with him afterwards was he said he wants to take a couple more visits and then probably decide at the end of March and Auburn is still his leader. So if you're an Auburn fan reading that, you definitely feel very happy. And I still feel very good about where Auburn stands here. Yeah, it's tough to like. It's tough to describe, but it definitely, it definitely jumps out to you. Um, he was just so athletic. Like, guys. watch like the footwork drills, stuff like that. It's, he was like floating out there. It was just he was moving so well. Yeah, I, you know the first name that came to mind, and this and this is a player who wasn't like overly successful at Auburn, but it's how the guy looked in like his second year in the SEC, and not as a junior and upcoming senior in uh in high school. But I don't know if you remember Brendan Coffey sort of looked like where really, really big, obviously had plenty of size to play. Um, but like you said, just lean, just, just, just cut, you know, like it, it, it didn't seem like he, you know, necessarily was out of, out of shape at all. And I mean, like you said, either, either under or over, that's hard to do for a high school player. Like, obviously you're going to, once you get into college, like, you know, at high level FC program, they're going to have you where you need to be. It's pretty much all on you when you're in a, when you're in high school. So yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, did he win some sort of, did Dice win sort of? Some sort of award on the day. I thought he did. Maybe not maybe. from the camp, but you know, we named him a top performer. That's so. what it was. That's what it was. Um, sticking on offense here. Do you want to touch on? You want to touch on KJ Lacey and 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 Juju Lewis? I guess real quick. Yeah, we can touch on them real quick. Um, didn't get a chance to watch them necessarily too much. Um, but Auburn continues to recruit the both of them really heavily. Um, KJ Lacey doesn't have a spring visit set up quite yet, but I'm sure he'll be back on campus at some point. Um, he was supposed to be there for that final junior day before things went dead, but. The Senior Bowl in Mobile had some different events and some different high school events. Um, so he ended up going to one of those. And then some of the news that came out on Thursday actually was Juju Lewis, the five-star USC quarterback commit, set a return visit to Auburn. Um, according to 24-7 Sports' Steve Wiltfon, he had that news. Um, and what's interesting there is he'll be back on March 16th. There's a couple other big-name guys that are there on March 16th. Looking at the schedule, that's the first Saturday um, of spring practice for Auburn. Probably going to be you know, a quote unquote scrimmage day. That'll be the first Saturday. So it'll be probably situational stuff like that, but I'll, that'll be really one of their first big, big recruiting days. Um, Cause it is a Saturday. So it's easier to get guys there. And then it's your quote unquote scrimmage day. Um, so Juju Lewis will be there and look, you're in the ball game. That's all you can really ask for. Um, if you're Auburn with a five-star quarterback in Juju Lewis right now, do I think they have a really good chance? No. Do I think they have a good chance? No. Do I think they have a chance? Yeah, I would still say they definitely have a chance. Um, I think Georgia is probably the team closest to USC right now. 
Um, but Auburn's fighting really hard, and you know we'll see what happens. You just keep getting him on campus. You hope to get him on campus as much as possible, and then go from there. Yeah, it's funny. Like with all the Julian Lewis stuff that came out today about his upcoming visits, I I had to kind of rack my brain for a second. I'm like he's still committed to USC, right? Because like none of the stories and labels had anything to do with USC commit. It's just it's funny that. And, and, and I, you know, I don't know how different it's been from recruiting of, of the past, but it seems like very recently, and it's this isn't anything good or bad. I'm just making an observation, um, especially early on in a, in a, in a kid's recruitment. Um, when you are committed this early, you kind of have to do your due diligence and you have to continue to take visits. And it wouldn't make sense if you just visited the place that you were uh, that you're committed to. And so, yeah, I just kind of thought that was interesting. But, I mean, that's the same deal with somebody like KJ Lacey. Right. It's like he's committed to Texas. They obviously have the strongest push for him right now because they are the school that he has pledged to. Um, but the conversations are about Auburn. The conversations are about, are about Alabama and, and where he might go otherwise. And so um, but maybe that's just a that's just a product of high level quarterbacks as well, because, I mean, the, the Julian Lewis circus is is a bit wild. Um, and we kind of saw that firsthand at the camp. Uh, everybody wants to talk to him. And, you know, there's when it comes down to a talent like that. And I think that's just how it's going to be from now on when the kids are that highly rated. There's going to be a lot of people involved, a lot of people involved in the NIL game. There's going to be a lot of people involved um, in making a lot of those decisions because those kids, uh, they have a lot of pull. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, And it's, you know, it's, it's just crazy to think about everything got sped up. That's that's the thing with Juju Lewis was he was a 2026 and it was expected that he would reclassify to 2025 but everything got sped up as soon as he did. You know, he was very quickly on Auburn's campus. He was very quickly on a bunch of other campuses um, in January, trying to get a look, get a feel for these different schools. Uh, now, I believe his dad um, spoke with Wilt Fawn and said, "You know, look, a lot of these schools have new quarterbacks coaches now. Auburn obviously has Ken Austin. Juju Lewis knew Ken Austin was recruited by him, but I think his quote was saying, "You know, we want to see how they are in practice. We want to see what they teach, how they teach, stuff like that." Um, so that'll be the kind of the key for Auburn there, but it's definitely look, it's a crazy recruitment. It's, it's one that Auburn fans definitely aren't used to probably over the past couple of years. Um, it's a recruitment that I haven't really covered over the past couple of years in terms of really high level, truly elite recruiting where you elite players and it's hard to get in contact with them, hard to get interviews, hard to get a feel, have to go through different back channels, stuff like that. There's a lot of moving pieces, uh, but Auburn is trying to move those pieces, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Moving on to running back now, the very popular name of Alvin Henderson um, was obviously somebody that Auburn fans are very interested to hear from at this event. Um, I believe you you had had a story from him after Cadillac Williams um, moved on from the program, but he talked a little bit more about that, and it was two or three answers that he gave about everything that had to do with connection you know who's talked to your family the best who keeps up with you the best who do you you know who are your favorite coaches kept coming back to Auburn and Florida State those two I don't know if that comes as a a surprise to you there were a lot of Georgia reporters there so he was talking a lot about the Bulldogs as well but kind of the big concrete takeaway from from Alvin Henderson was I believe he's planned a spring commitment for quite a while now Um, he said he likely wants to push that back into the summer maybe in June so that he can have some more time to take visits. Yeah, it just it kind of just keeps getting pushed back. He's been saying for a while now that he felt like he might be getting closer. Um, and then he kind of looked in 
to doing something in March or April, and now it's getting pushed back again. So, you know, we'll see how things go. Derek Nix has obviously been putting in a lot of work there to try and make up some ground. Um, being the new running backs coach, I definitely agree with um, what you were saying. It's, it's all it's been Auburn and Florida State, really, in my mind. It's been those two, and then right outside of those two is Georgia, Alabama, Miami, maybe Penn State, a couple other schools, Tennessee, maybe. But it's really always been kind of those two at the top fighting. Um, and now Auburn might be playing catch up a little bit because Derek Nix is new to the scene, but I still think he's lived on Auburn's campus. Basically he's been there so often it would definitely be surprising if he didn't end up at Auburn. Um, but the longer this thing goes, the more it opens up opportunities for, for Auburn to look elsewhere, for Alvin to look elsewhere. So we'll see, um, you know, got a chance to talk with the Kylan deer at the camp as well. Um, the Mississippi running back, he had really, really good things to say about Auburn. He said, I grew up an Auburn fan. He said his dad was an Auburn fan. Um, he, but he's never been to Auburn. And he said that's definitely going to change sometime this spring. Again, a guy that Auburn, it's a different situation. Auburn has to catch up a little bit with the Kylan Deer because he's never been on campus. Alvin Henderson, they might have to catch up a little bit because Derek Nix is new to the job. But I think Auburn is much closer with Alvin Henderson than they are with the Kylan Deer. But both are really talented running backs. Auburn wants to take two this class. We'll see what happens. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see because the longer Alvin Henderson pushes things back, like I said, the more it opens up opportunities for other guys to you know, potentially become the first running back to join the class or Auburn to latch on to someone else. It'll it'll be interesting to see how they balance it. Yeah, moving on to receiver, um, there were a couple names here that jumped out for Auburn. Derek Smith, I believe, is if I'm getting that correct, or am I? Uh, Travis Smith. There is a Derek Smith, Smith, but he was not at the camp. Yep. <laughs> and that Yeah, that, uh, that list was a little daunting to me, I will say. Um, Travis, <laughs> Smith, Travis Smith was somebody that – um, kind of whipped around at one point and was watching drills. And I was like, who is that guy making those catches? Because um, he was absolutely phenomenal. Another guy that was really mobbed after it was over. You can yes. tell he was a high-level prospect. Um, and then a 20, I believe Devin Carter, correct? 2026. 2026. Um, guy, yep. And he uh, he is a guy that could be pretty high on Auburn's board there. Um, we caught up with his dad for a little bit. And as soon as we mentioned we were from Auburn, he was very interested in that. So that kind of gives you a little bit of uh, a little bit of tell of, um, you know, how, how that's going right now. And uh, he's a former Florida State commit, has decommitted from the Seminoles. Um, no surprise here. And you can get into Travis Smith's um, takeaways as well. But no surprise, glowing things to say about Marcus Davis. Said he wasn't surprised one bit that they signed two five-stars and were in the running um, for another one. Just talked about how he really, really likes watching Marcus Davis at practice. Um, and kind of has really enjoyed developing that connection with him. But so, you know, big name and, and Dalen Upshaw, who I haven't even mentioned, who's a guy who's pretty yeah. common on Auburn's campus. And so a couple targets in this class, one ahead in the 2026 class and anyone else I'm missing. What did you kind of see from the receivers on Sunday? Yeah, there were definitely more. I mean, look, it's a, when there's just two of us, you just have to get as many guys as you can afterwards in terms of interviews because everyone leaves all at once. You have to just, it's a mob and you try and figure out as many as possible. But Travis Smith was definitely one of the can't miss guys and, it was easy to not miss him because he's 6'4". He's built basically like Cam Coleman. He's every bit of 6'4", um, creeping around 200 pounds right in there. Really big, really physical, really good 50-50 wide receiver. The key the key for him at camp was really how is he going to run? How is he going to move? Because, look, there can, be, there can be Cam Coleman's in terms of size. You can have that size. There are plenty of receivers that have that size. Cam Coleman ran in the 4'4s and was shifty. That's what made him a five star. And so it was that was the key going into the camp. How is Travis Smith going to look? He wasn't quite to Cam Coleman's level 
yet, in my opinion, but he was definitely a very, very good receiver. Um, and that was pretty obvious from the get-go. The interesting thing with him was afterwards he was talking. He said um, he was being paged by a lot of Georgia reporters. Um, and he said that Georgia was probably his leader going into the camp. But after they lost their wide receivers coach to the NFL, um, that Georgia gets tumbled down a little bit. And he's going to have to figure that out. Um, I think Auburn is a sneaky team in this recruitment. I think Marcus Davis has prioritized him quite a bit. I think that receiver board, there's three clear ones at the top, in my opinion. Caleb Cunningham, the five-star from Mississippi, who will be back this spring. Travis Smith, who will also be back this spring. And Derek Smith from Southside Selma, who we don't know when he will be back, but we expect him back this spring. We just don't have a date quite yet. Um, and so Auburn has definitely put in a lot of work with Travis Smith. He was there on campus in January. He was there on the one Saturday that they didn't have like a junior day event. Um, so he was the only visitor. So he spent a ton of time with Marcus Davis, spent a ton of time with Derek Nix, got to meet with Coach Freeze pretty extensively. Um, so I think Auburn is definitely, uh, look, I asked him because he is a top eight right now. I said, are they in the upper half of the top eight or the bottom half? He said, they're definitely up in the upper half right now. So. I knew there was a Derek Smith at receiver. I knew it. I would not be gaslit into thinking otherwise. Um, yeah, I mean, like super, super impressive um, player, a guy that really jumped out when you're watching those receiver drills. Um, if we want to flip now, I guess we can go to tight end. Wasn't didn't seem like it really had much. It wasn't of a whole lot because Ryan G and Hollis Davidson weren't there. So gotcha. Gotcha. So not much of a draw there. Flipping over to the defensive line. I don't have his picture loaded up here. I should have done that for the Auburn commit. Um, but always good to catch up with Malik Autry, the guy from right down the road in Opelika. And Christian, no surprise, this has been the case for, I feel like, a year. But uh, Florida continues to, to push for him. Um, and something interesting that he said, he said this, and I can't remember off the top of my head who else said this, but going down to see Trevon Reed at uh, – at UCF, and obviously, you know, D. Riddick is already a guy who decommitted from Auburn and flipped to UCF. So we're going to see a little bit of that. We're going to see that effect because you know, Teron Reed was somebody who had so much of an impact. Um, you know, that was his draw. He came in, and kids just really enjoyed getting to know his personality. On you know, as a recruiter, he was really fantastic in that off the field role. And so, um, you know, Billy Gautry said he is still Auburn is still the place he wants to be. He's still solid to Auburn at the moment, but he is going to take some of those other visits in terms of when he's going to be at Auburn. He's, he was like all the time. Like it's not even really, not really a question when you live in Obelanga, like it's not really a big deal. Um, but you had it written a while ago when Vontrell took over Montreal King Williams took over as the defensive line coach, but there is no shift there with Jeremy Garrett because Vontrell King Williams was the guy that Malik Autry told first when he, when he committed to Auburn, they're locked in like that. And I think this kind of goes to show you, one of the reasons, and maybe the primary reason, that Hugh Freeze promoted Vontrell to D-line coach is because of this recruiting connection in, in 2025 and beyond, not only to Malik Autry, but to a lot of other players. Yeah, I don't know if I've been on a podcast since that happened, was out on vacation and then traveling a little bit. Um, but whenever people ask me about what I thought about the Vontrell King Williams move is, look, I'm covering recruiting, so it's my job to look at it from that standpoint. If you want to keep Auburn's loaded 2025 defensive line recruiting class, that's your best option in elevating Vontrell King Williams. He was, you know, every coach has uh, an analyst or a graduate assistant or whoever. None were closer and worked tighter together than Jeremy Garrett and Vontrell King Williams. It was truly a one-two punch. Um, and that was the exact same way in recruiting as well. There's not many people that you would see out there, you know, in terms of being involved on campus on visits or whatever, than Vontrell taking guys around or doing whatever. 
So for a guy like Malik Autry, it was definitely huge. The other thing with him is, look, there's been a bunch of pressure from other schools to try and flip him over the past year since he committed to Auburn. That pressure is probably going to ramp up after his performance on Sunday. He wins the 24-7 sports alpha dog um, of the event. I think the rankings are getting updated next week, if I remember correctly. I'm sure he will get bumped up in those rankings. Not only that, we had him previously listed at 6'5", 290. He measured in at a little over 6'5", and 320. So he's grown. He still looks really good. He obviously moves really good. He was really good in the camp. So, look, Auburn's going to have to keep fighting. So far, they've weathered the storm. Um, it's really hard to hold a kid committed for multiple years. That's just kind of the way recruiting is now. Um, but you probably feel better about holding a kid who is 15 minutes down the road and you can get on campus anytime it's not a dead period with a quick text or a call. There's, Like you just said, he'll just pop up. There's been multiple times you know, he, he's just shown up to the football facility um, unexpected, at least by us, um, just for a quick visit. So you probably feel pretty good about being able to hold on to him, but it's going to be a fight. And look, if you're an Auburn fan, you'd rather have that fight. You'd rather be fighting to try yeah. and hold on. A, you'd rather be trying to hold on than trying to flip. B, you feel pretty good about a guy if other teams, other elite teams, other SEC teams are coming after him, which they are. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you mentioned uh, you mentioned his frame and how he's improved in that aspect. I mean, another guy who looked phenomenal um, in this camp, and he really stuck out. You know, we were we were there with some of the twenty four seven scouting people, um, you know, people who have only seen him a couple times. And uh, like you said, he won the alpha dog of the event. A really, really good looking player. Um, and that that defensive line class again has the even if you don't get a guy like a Jared Smith um, has the potential to be really, really good. Um, you will have to help me out here as we continue to cruise through D-line and linebackers kind of doing the front seven. Besides Duke Johnson, because um, I'll, I'll kind of add a little bit on him, who else from that front seven did you uh, did you have takeaways from? You know? I'm trying to think. If any, um, if Zion, any. Zion Grady was one. He's more of an edge yeah. rusher. Um, I think Auburn has a lot of work to make up there. He said Auburn's top three with Georgia and Florida State. I think they're solidly in third place right now. Same Same case as Jared Smith. Have some ground to make up. Um, but if you trust a guy to do that, it would probably be Josh Aldridge. So we'll see kind of where things stand there. Um, other guys at linebacker, none that I can really think of. Ja'Caleb Falk was there, and he participated as a linebacker. He looked really good. He looked massive. Um, talking with some of our rankings guys, they said that they really crushed on him over the past couple of weeks in terms of really liked his junior film. So he could be a riser here um, next week in the rankings as well. And then 
obviously you caught up with uh, Daryl Duke Johnson. Yeah, Duke Johnson. You talked about Jared Smith being a guy who looks the part. Uh, you know, Daryl Duke Johnson is is uh, is already first team getting off the bus. Uh, but not only that, he uh, he got an invite to next year's Under Armour, Under Armour All America game, so he was one of the best performers at this event. Um, and he again, we mentioned Josh Aldridge. Um, he said he said because of Aldridge, you know, Aldridge is, has has been the lead guy. Um, for him, he has communicated though with DJ Durkin, of course, you know, taking over as the defensive coordinator is going to coach linebackers. Um, but he is going to uh, he is going to officially visit, which is I think pretty big. He's going to officially visit Auburn um, over the summer. He said Auburn is definitely in the top four um, right now, and uh, the other programs that he has in that group as well: Alabama, Florida State. And again, UCF, I don't think that the Trevon Reed thing, he hasn't been offered super often, so I don't really think that's what you're looking at there. Um, I think it's just the fact that Gus Malzahn has really good connections in the uh, in the Southeast. And so this is a guy from Dodge City. So really, really good looking player. A guy who, if he's not already a five-star, he's, uh, no, he's he, not. I think he's like a top 40 player, so he's a fringe five-star. Just basically. on the edge. Um, I mean, do we do, th- we do 32 five-stars, right? Yes. We have been number 33 right now. So, okay. yeah. So very close, <laughs> very close to that spot. And these rankings are obviously going to continue. He is definitely one of the guys that is uh, that is really, really up there on their board. And uh, shoot, somebody they're going to have an opportunity with because you definitely like to hear that. This was this was something where guys have a lot of spring visits. Like you said, you're starting to see these graphics come out, and you can you can really rack up the spring visits. Um, but tracking the OVs is obviously really important. And uh, that's another example of a guy that Auburn's going to get on campus who's. Uh, who's an elite recruit and somebody they'd really like to have in this class. Yeah. The only other linebacker name, I don't, we talked about him very briefly earlier when I was talking about Kenyatta Watson, but it's Tyler Atkinson, um, the 2026 linebacker from Grayson, Georgia. He, so the camp started with O-line D-line and he, you know, I see him show up and check in as a D-lineman and register in that. He went through camp as a D-lineman, as an edge rusher. um, And then he turned right back around and went through, the second half of the linebacker camp, obviously he missed kind of the first part, but then he went through that portion as well. He was the only guy all day that went through two different segments of the camp. Um, and look, we've talked with some folks at Auburn that think that he's the number one player in the country for the class of 2026. And at this rate, I don't think I would argue with it. He was really, really good, uh, both as an edge rusher and as a linebacker, really high motor, really smart, really good kid as well. Um, He's liked Auburn quite a bit. That's been Josh Aldridge leading the way. I'm sure Josh Aldridge and DJ Durkin are going to kind of lead the way now, as will Kenyatta Watson, who was obviously at Grayson. Um, and they have known each other for a long time. I talked with Tyler after the camp, and he said, yeah, I've known Kenyatta for a really, really long time. Tyler's really close friends with Owen Papo. So Auburn definitely has a lot of connections working in their favor there. Obviously, at 2026, there's still a long way to go. Um, and every top team in the country – um, especially Georgia is involved there, but Auburn is trying to trying to make make it work there. Yeah, we already talked about Zealous Hicks um, at safety. I believe there are a couple more names. Um, not missing out here at that defensive back. Not really a whole lot. Um, talked with Nasir McCoy, um, a 2026 DB from Buford, who was there a decent amount over the course of the fall, and he'll be back again. It was Charles Kelly. He said, "I knew him from Colorado, and I've gotten to know him really well now that he's at Auburn." The other one that we really wanted to see at the camp, um, also from Buford, the cornerback, Devin Williams. Um, Unfortunately, he got hurt towards the end of camp. Didn't get a chance to talk with him afterwards. Uh, But we do know that he'll be on campus on March 16th. 
the same day as Juju Lewis and the same day as some of those other guys that have already locked in visits that day. So not a ton of DB flavor at the camp. Um, some of your top targets, Anquan Fagans wasn't there. Um, Naeem offered the Ohio State commitment wasn't there. Um, some of the other DB targets are from other areas, so they're going to be in other Under Armour camps. So not a ton in terms of DB um, notes, but there was a ton elsewhere, that's for sure. Anything else you want to get to recruiting-wise, Christian? I know you are still enjoying – trying to enjoy a little bit of rest here with the dead period, um, but it'll be over before you know it. And like you said, March is going to be a, obviously a busy month getting kids on campus for uh, for spring practices. Nothing really um, outside of I do think it's noteworthy that um, Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic reported yes. um, on Thursday about signing day changes, um, which is something that we have discussed on the show and you know, we've discussed on the board, and it's kind of been floated out there for a while that – However, it's going to change. Something had to change with signing day. December 20th or there close to Christmas, it overlapped with the transfer portal with this 12-team playoff that's coming. It would definitely overlap with that. It was a disaster on all fronts. And so signing day had to change in some aspect. Um, So Nicole reported on Thursday that coaches are leaning towards pushing it up to, I believe, the first week of December um, before the transfer portal opens up. It would be on the Wednesday before conference championship weekend. Which, look, if you're playing in a conference championship, that's tough. Uh, you have a lot to balance there. But, you know, we were talking with um, some of the Auburn reporters earlier today, and I was telling Justin Ferguson, I was like, there's no perfect scenario here. There's nothing to make everything perfect, at least not in one step. You can maybe take a couple of different steps and slowly get there. I think this would be a positive step in the right direction. Um, this is something that the coaches want. I think that would improve quality of life in terms of having to recruit the portal. Um, and the high school kids all at once there in December. So that would be nice for sure. Um, and then the other part was that a summer um, signing period is also being looked at. And I definitely think, I don't think that one will come right away, but I think eventually in the next three to four years that in August or a, you know end of July signing day is definitely possible. Um, not definitely possible. I think it's likely uh, before their senior seasons, which and people are saying, well, then guys will opt out of their senior year or, you know, they, senior year film changes a lot and look i agree with you completely but that's the way it is in basketball a lot of these kids in basketball sign before their senior year or right as it's getting started um, and then they play through their senior year so again as i said at the beginning there's no perfect scenario here you've kind of pigeonholed yourself and the transfer portal has only made it more difficult with signing days and whatnot but it, it should be at least somewhat of a positive step in the right direction um, and the other huge step is, you know, getting rid of cookie cakes um, and hotels on official visits. Um, that was the other news that came out. Andrew no, Ivins reported that, cakes. yeah, on official visits, whenever recruits show up, you know, they'll deck out the bed with snacks and posters and cookie cakes and whatnot. Apparently that's that's banned now, um, which, yeah, sell your cookie cake stock. I, I think it was Andrew Ivins who said cookie cake stock just went through the basement like <laughs> they, they had to be one of the sole providers of uh of major cookie cakes yeah somebody who i was talking to you about this recently when i worked at the when i worked at the auburn hotel when i was in college um we would help with that stuff kind of obviously we weren't allowed to like go in the rooms and put so it you were the back man i that's yeah that's what i'm telling you um <laughs> no it's funny like i and this is this i don't know if this is incriminating or not i don't care it's been too long but you know, we would, we would help these kids get in. And obviously, you know, they come and stay at the hotel. 
but I didn't know enough at the time um, to really, I'm not saying I would have like leaked it to a recruiting reporter, not that they didn't already know, but I didn't know enough. I, I just, looking back, I wish I had known a little bit more about recruiting at the time as a, as a junior in college. Cause I maybe would have seen these, these kids and been like, Oh my gosh, that's such a huge visitor for them. Um, but instead we were caught in the slog of bringing people's bags and 102 <laughs> degree Auburn July heat. And uh, oh, beautiful. you, you have like, you have a little bit different of a perspective on at least like the, the photo shoot stuff. And I think some people just kind of groan at that, like, like maybe a fan, you just kind of, they groan and they're like, well, this is a dumb rule that shouldn't even exist, but I, maybe it's you, or maybe you have the, you have the opposite way. Um, talking about how there's just, there's just a lot of busy work when it comes to recruiting and, and how many people are involved in that. Look, photo shoots, um, for people that don't know, they got banned for unofficial visits that went into effect, um, at the end of January or, uh, beginning of February, once the dead period hit, once things open back up again in March, the only time that you can do a photo shoot on campus, as in do a photo shoot, the school Auburn in this case takes the photos, provides props, Jersey, jacket, whatever for the photo shoot can only be on official visits. Now that's something that pretty much every school across the country has wanted. Um, a lot of these kids take these unofficial visits. They just want to get their photo shoot and then get out of there. Um, it's kind of a waste of time and it's a lot, especially on these junior days. Look, you can't just pull kids aside and do a photo shoot. You have to do it for every single kid. And then it becomes a ton and it's a lot of different work. And for coaches, especially that's wasted time. You only get these kids on campus for, four, five, maybe six hours on a really long visit, you want to spend every bit of time talking with them, getting them in your office, taking them around campus, getting them to the stadium and whatnot. So now, um, unless it's an official visit, photo shoots are banned, which um, makes things a little tougher for us when we're looking for a picture um, of a kid for a story maybe, but it definitely makes life easier on college programs, which is good for them. Well, that'll motivate you to get uh, to continue and improve with your camera work. Needs a lot of work. I will say that these these turned out these turned out you know these turned out pretty well. Yeah, you know if I did more of like the actual like lighting work, like I did with some of them because they were so dark. If I actually did that, like the Travis Smith one, that might be one of my better ones because uh, I actually I tweaked the lighting a little bit, looked a little bit better. We were definitely look. I picked Nathan up. I woke up at five a.m. on Sunday. I picked him up at six a.m. because um, of the time change to get up to Carrollton and the camp started at eight thirty. An 8.30 a.m. football camp, I'm not firing on all cylinders. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not a morning person. So we were really trial by fire a little bit with the camera. Yeah, it's okay. Well, I mean, like, that's the thing is that the lighting sucks so badly in certain settings. Like, and it's not every basketball arena either. But, like, I remember taking photojournalism in college and going to shoot, a, like, a women's basketball game for class. And I'm thinking, like, oh, the lighting in here, like, it's so bright in the arena. Nope. You look at your photo and it's gray. Like okay, that that stuff is so complicated. It makes you it makes you respect the uh, the professionals like uh, like Jason. Like Jason. Or you or you forget that you have your ISO cranked up all the way, um, and then you take you take oh, a yeah. picture. I took I took a picture of uh, Tavares Dice and Dontrell Glover. That was a name that we forgot to touch on. But Dontrell Glover, teammates with Tavares Dice um, at Lanson Hughes along the offensive line. But try to take a picture of them both outside. Um, you know, together because they're teammates didn't look at the picture after I took it, go inside. It's just, it's just a white screen because I didn't turn the ISO down. So look, that's, that's usually why we have Jason around. He had other much more important things to do um, on Sunday. So you and I handled it to the best of our abilities, but we need a camera, man. Yeah. Maybe they can, uh, maybe they can pony up at some point and 
get you get you your own get you your own big boy camera. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like might be said, a waste of money. It is not nah, no nonsense. It is nice to have Jason around. The I will say one thing about the cookie cakes, which is very important. Um, <laughs> they can apparently give the they can give the stuff in the lobby. So it's not. I don't know if you read that part. That's so okay. So you can't go in the hotel. Okay. You can't. Yeah, I get. I guess it's that you can't go in the hotel room. That's probably. That's probably where the line is officially drawn. Um, But it said you can present it to them. So maybe the cookie cake uh, stocks are not completely dead. They're hemorrhaging, Um, but they're not. They're not completely gone yet. That's. I'm telling you, when I worked there, like that. I mean, well, you know, but like that is a. It is an ordeal. They show up like two hours before in the in the in the black suburbans, and uh, like it is a it is a heist to go in there and like I mean they are they are military grade. I've <laughs> I've, I've seen like them going to Costco and getting just carts and carts of Gatorade bottles and snacks and all that kind of stuff. It's a it's a whole process, and I guess it's going to continue now just in the hotel lobby. Thanks, NCAA. The lobby of the Auburn Hotel is going to just be a madhouse on recruiting weekends. People are going to come out of the elevator, and there's just going to be balloons, like balloons and cookie them. cakes everywhere. Kids gonna kids are gonna start stealing the cookie cakes. Um, if we're if we're if we're finished up here with recruiting, I yes. did want to just make a note. Um, since this will go out on Friday, and we had some Auburn basketball stuff going on today. Um, obviously it was their off week in terms of the, the midweek game, so no midweek game. Um, I don't know if you knew this, Christian. I know that obviously, you know, basketball is not your is not your beat here. But there were only two. Me and Jason are talking about this. The last two teams to get a buy in the SEC were Auburn and South Carolina. Auburn is one of the last two teams Ooh. to get a buy. Um, and like earlier in the season, they did six all in one week and four all in one week. It was just not. It was not very balanced. Um, and so, however, as we mentioned earlier in the week with with me and Jason, it does come at an opportune time. For Jalen Williams and his uh, his knee injury, I will just repeat again if you if you haven't seen the MRI was uh, was really positive for them not not any extensive damage um, for Jay Will. Of course, you know you're talking to some of the guys today, like Dylan Cardwell was saying, like you know the first thing I thought about was the fact that and this is what Dylan was saying, like he came back this season, you know it's his fifth year, he took that extra year. Um, he's, he's the winningest player of all time at Auburn. And Dylan was like, I just like, I hated the thought of it ending right then and there. And that was the last time he played in an Auburn uniform. So, um, you know, in terms of a timetable, we talked to Bruce Pearl today. Um, it's very murky. Pretty much the only thing we have confirmed right now is that he will not play at Georgia, um, on Saturday. Of course, that's their next game, even confirmed. That's not necessarily the case. Um, but you know, he's, he's, he's been in that, uh, he was in a brace earlier in the week and now it's just kind of some padding. Um, and I, I saw him in the building today without any of that padding on the, uh, on the exercise bike. And so it, it really, you know, I hate to harp on it over and over again. This could not have been better news for Auburn. Um, because, you know, you and I, Christian, on the way to, we were kind of like working this out in our heads on the way to Carrollton on Sunday, like you know, your, your, your goals for the season change in such a big way. If you don't have Jalen Williams, um, you know, you, you really just have to work on the fly in these last few games to get ready for the tournament and shift your lineups. Now it's kind of like, Hey, just get through the next few games and do the best you can. Um, because I'm not trying to make a prediction or anything like that, but it does seem really, really optimistic that Jalen Williams will be back before the conclusion of the regular season. Um, so Bruce Pearl said he will travel to, 
Georgia. That's just kind of like a so that they don't miss him sort of thing. Like he can, he can do it. So might as well. Um, and, and Dylan Cardwell said he was, you know, he's, he's glad that that's still going to be the case for him to be able to hang out with his teammates, kind of lift him and keep him in good spirits. But starting with that next game on Wednesday, when they go to Tennessee, when they go to Knoxville, um, he's just going to be evaluated. He's going to be evaluated every game and they're going to see how he's progressing. And so uh, the bye week came at a really, really good time for them, but it is Cheney Johnson time now um, at the four for Auburn. That is at least going to be in their starting lineup. Most likely. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no state secrets going on there. Um, everybody talked about it today, but they are going to shift a lot of stuff around. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see Chris Moore and Chaney Johnson on the floor at the same time very much because there's not a lot of offensive punch between those two. A lot on defense between those two guys. Um, but so it, it it affects more the player Jalen Williams gravity. It, it kind of it affects more than just that one spot in the rotation. So I'm really interested. I'm really interested to get to Athens on Saturday and see what Bruce Pearl has formulated for this game because uh, this is a challenge this is a challenge for him but um it's one that if I had to guess right now it's not going to last more than three or four games for this team and uh Christian me and Jason talked about earlier this week but like the most important thing is feeling good in March like it doesn't matter what happened as long as you're in the tournament as long as you're a decent seed who cares what happened before that point um you know, the, the 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 rough part about this is, especially with Alabama's win on Wednesday, they only have two losses in the league. Like you're you're really hurting for the SEC title at this point. Like it's not I'm not saying that shouldn't be your goal, but I almost wonder, and this is this is kind of an optimistic viewpoint, I almost wonder if that doesn't take off a little pressure and you're just saying, All right, let's just get this top four seed, let's get through this, and then when Jalen Williams comes back, maybe that'll put a win into their sales going into going into March Madness, but yeah, Bruce Pearl mentioned that that Alabama game on Wednesday. You like it if you're Auburn because it takes Florida down a loss. And if they had won, they would have been tied for fourth place. And they have or tied for third place and they have the tiebreaker over you because they beat you just a couple weeks ago. Um, it, it maybe puts Alabama out of reach for the uh, for the conference title. But we'll see what happens. And uh, and that was my that was my basketball rant. But uh, and my tangent, I guess I should say. But really, at the end of the day, Christian, like, it was just a few days ago, you and I were, I mean, talking in the car on the way to Carrollton and, and it, it just didn't, it was, it was a very tense end of Saturday, very early Sunday. Um, and then all of a sudden a wave of relief just washes over Auburn because uh, you know, that Jalen Williams is going to be back within just a few games. And uh, it, you know, you'd obviously like for him to be a hundred percent, like you, you don't want the injury even in the first place. Um, but maybe, you know, give this team a little boost at the, uh, at the end of the season, which, uh, you know, they'll certainly need going into March. Yeah, you, you definitely like it for Jalen Williams, no matter who you're a fan of or if you're a media person or whatever. You know, really good kid who's been here a really long time, uh, started, went to the bench when Jabari came in. In the era of the transfer portal, he stayed loyal, and he's here for five years. Um, and I don't care who you are. You don't want a kid to end his fifth year and the end of his college career um, on an injury in a game where you know they're going to lose. So it's good for him to be able to come back. And then, like you said, maybe a sense of relief in a sense, you know, if Jalen Williams is coming coming back and that's what ends up sacrificing your chance to get in the SEC or win the SEC regular season. Oh, absolutely. All you, day. Yeah, you you take that in the sense that I agree with you. I think it could honestly – look, you don't want the injury to happen, obviously, but it could give Auburn a little bit of boost. It could give them some wind in their sails going into the SEC tournament, going into March, um, just a little bit of boost there at the end. It'll be interesting to see um, when he comes back how healthy he is and – 
know, how the team responds. It could be kind of a, a rally point a little bit. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. It, it certainly it drums up a little bit. Not that there wasn't interest. You know, this, team's, this team's going dancing for the third straight year. Um, but there is there is kind of this element now that will make the end of this season and going into the tournament that much more interesting. How does Cheney Johnson respond? Um, you know, he is from the uh, he is from the great the great land of, of Huntsville, well, actually from Thompson, but uh, you know, cut his teeth cut his teeth in the two five six, and so um, we already know he's a you know I already know he's a great person, great player, and all that. But uh, you know, they keep coming back to they say it over and over again. Bruce has said it all year. He is the hardest working player on this entire team. Bruce has said since the summer, this is his hardest working team he's ever had. Does that make Janie Johnson the hardest working player he's ever had at Auburn? The, you know, the law of, uh, the law of relation there, I think maybe does, but um, you know, he's somebody who has been working a long time for an opportunity like this. He said that he sort of was shocked when it happened against Kentucky and he wasn't happy with how he came in after that. He was like, I knew that Jalen was out and I needed to come in and impact the game. And he's like, I did not do that. And so he said, you know, it's more so not just because Williams is out that he feels like he needs to improve for his team over the last few games of the season. He has improved, I think, over the course of the season, period. Um, but yeah, they're gonna need a little bit of they're gonna need a little bit of step up from him. And yeah, that that thing we were just talking about, me and Rich were talking about this today in relation to Alabama and Florida. Like, again, you you, you want to give yourself a chance to win the SEC, and they still have a chance. You never know, you never know what's gonna happen. But if you say, what would you rather have and very outside opportunity where you have to rely on Alabama to lose three more games to tie for the SC title, or would you rather have Florida go down and you have a much better chance of playing on Friday in Nashville? I really think if you're Auburn, that that worked out a little bit better in their favor. But uh, but we'll see on Saturday. It's always a close game in Athens. Um, Auburn has not played particularly well. They lost by 12 there. Last year, the Jabari team only won by three. They were up really big in the first half and, and, and tried to blow that game. And so uh, Georgia has played really well against good teams. They've played Tennessee, Kentucky, and Alabama, um, all really, really close on their home floor. And so if it's anything more than like a four-point game, if Auburn wins, I'd be very surprised. So uh, so we'll see. And then they go to Tennessee on, uh, on Wednesday. But it's getting down to that time, Christian, where we're going to start flipping on the TV on you know Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time, and you know the you know the, the Southern Conference you know tournament is going to already be uh, is going to already be going, and that is absolutely the best time of the year. Um, but you know it's it's unfortunate for Auburn that the, that injury did come at this time because it's obviously getting to crunch time. But you're just relieved at the end of the day that it's nothing serious for Jalen Williams, no surgery, no extensive damage, um, and again. He was out there today, you know, like like Cheney Johnson and Dylan Cardwell said that he was in the gym when we got here. He was in the gym putting up shots already. Um, there's no sort of heavy brace on there. It is just kind of wrapped um, that he was on the exercise bike. And so should be just a few games for Jalen Williams. Um, and uh, and obviously we'll have that covered. I'll be in Athens on on Saturday. We'll see what Auburn can do without him. Um, I'm going to be in Knoxville next Wednesday, which I'm very, very excited for. And spring practice, Christian, in just a few days. Next starts Tuesday. back up yeah. next uh next Tuesday. That'll be uh that'll be getting going and that'll be that'll be a lot. <laughs> that'll be uh th- that crossover time starts for us like end of February through March is uh is very very hectic but uh, at auburnundercover.com that's uh that's kind of what we live for and so it'll be uh it'll be really really busy but I'm definitely looking forward to uh to getting back in there in the football building and start to have uh coverage of both teams for you guys so christian i don't know if you have any parting thoughts after i've been nope. talking for 15 minutes um you could have just gotten off the podcast at this point but um 
guess yeah, kind of, I've been binging Suits, and I'm ready to get back to it. You've been what? I've been binging Suits, the TV show. I'm ready to get back oh, to it. I, I, don't, I didn't know what I thought your first word was there. I was like, what have you been doing with Suits? That's, that's interesting. Um, my little brother wants me to watch that show. But I just don't. I just don't know. It's got the. It's got the prince. No, not the princess. The what's her name? Meghan Markle. Uh, yes, actually, yeah, it does. I didn't know that. You you just connected the dots for me, and I'm through a full season. But yes. Yeah, she's married to Harry. Yes. Harry. Okay, I was really hoping I was like breaking that news to you that you didn't know that. that no, I knew that. Okay, that's good. That's good. Did you see the stuff at the coronation? Uh, where like people, there were like conspiracy theories by people in England that she was like she was there, but she was like hiding. Did you ever see that? No, no. They were like they're like picking out random people, and maybe maybe I'm completely messing this up. Maybe it was him. I don't know. They were like picking out random people. You go to these Twitter pages, like in the crowd at the coronation. I'm like, that's Meghan Markle. She's hiding. She doesn't because they like they've had that whole disconnect from the royal family. Um, yeah, I don't know how we got <laughs> an hour of the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's how we know we hit the hour mark. <laughs> and we have hit an hour because we're talking about Meghan Markle. Next um, up, we'll talk about stuffing. Oh, God. <laughs> we should have brought that up to Dukes when we saw him in the... <laughs> we saw him. I, yeah, I will I will just say real quickly here, if if anybody has, hasn't seen or doesn't know, you know, Dukes, Bill Dukes has been on the podcast for a long time. Um, I think we should give him a proper send off here on the show. I, I did it on our uh, recruiting show a couple weeks ago. But we can do one more. Okay. Well, all right. I'll I'll walk it back a little bit then. I don't. I, I edit every show and I completely forgot about that. Um, but yeah, we saw Dukes on Sunday. Um, he's gonna kill it. He's he's now over there at On Three, um, doing video stuff for them, getting recruits with kids, which obviously he's great at. Um, you know, he he did a great job of that for us, and uh, and we really enjoyed having him at the site, and so. Um, if you didn't catch last week's episode, then I will now break you the news. That, uh, you won't be hearing from Dukes anymore, but uh, we'll still see him around. And so that'll be great. So I'm in Atlanta on uh, on Sunday. Great dude. And we will always have that two hour long signing day episode where we started talking about Ted Turner and Doomsday and all that good stuff. <laughs> and Christian's mom's uh, uh, moose, not moose, buffalo stuffing. Yes. Uh, which is very good. It is very good. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Okay. On that note, everybody, uh, we appreciate everyone for joining us today. I wish Jason had been on today. Uh, get off on all these subjects. With him. <laughs> I would love to hear his opinion of the royal family. I feel like that might, <laughs> that might be something fun. Um, guys, go check out Auburn Undercover. I believe we're still at thirty percent off. Yes, um, pretty sure. So head over there. There'll be a little widget you can uh, you can click on if you want to get that deal. Um, catch up on all that recruiting coverage. All that stuff we just talked about was covered on the site. Has been for like a week. Um, so if you guys want that immediately, as soon as it happens, um, basketball is going to continue to ramp up. The dead period will be over before you know it. And we will be back in that building for football practices, actual football being played, um, in shirts and shorts, but, uh, no matter they'll at least have helmets on in, uh, in just a few days for the you know, off season of year two of the Hugh freeze era. So for Christian Clemente, I am Nathan King. Thank you guys for joining us. Leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. Bumper music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram until the next episode. Catch you guys later. Everybody have a great rest of the week. Talk to you.